Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Join the SRF resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. Lethal Vendetta. Hailing from Sydney, Australia, this band comes armed with the ultimate artillery, a precise and highly effective blend of thrash, groove, and traditional metal which pays homage to the great metal titans that have come before them. Check out lethalvendetta.bigcartel.com and download their music on all digital media outlets. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. October 9th, 2019, and you are tuned in to HTM Sports here at the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network as well as Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the not Chinese, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that order the B to the V, Rick Vickery. Jargo, you're sounding a lot better. You're looking a lot better. It's like your beard. Maybe not quite over the hump, but you're starting to kick that cold. So, And I hate to do this to you. I got a correction for you here. She said, I'm not Chinese. I actually am Chinese. Uh, my grandmother. My grandmother. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that makes me like, I think I'm like 116th or something like that. Well, we will see if you still want to claim your Chinese heritage after today's show. Um, it's crazy, Rick, because it's not very often that you get into October and the NBA season has not kicked off yet, and it's going to be the lead story. And I find it crazy, the media blackout that is going on inside the United States on this story, because nobody is talking about this story. And it's the, the I guess the, the question to start things off with is, what do the NBA and South Park have in common? They were both banned in China this week. Uh, this NBA and Chinese situation is getting completely out of control. Rick, Rockets general manager Daryl Morey took to Twitter a couple of days ago, and he made the mistake of tweeting out, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong, and the Chinese government has completely lost their damn minds. Well, you know, I... Does it really surprise you that you get this reaction from the Chinese government? Not even a little. And I think here, when we start diving into these numbers and really what's at play here, uh, you know, our listeners out there, they're going to be understanding, you know, how big this thing truly is. This really comes down to um, to this GM here for the Rockets. You got to understand your surroundings. You got to understand what is important to your business practices, like it or not, the Republic of China and what they contribute to the NBA. By the way, over in China, the NBA is the biggest draw in sports. I mean, they are head over heels with this thing. We're going to get into some of these financials. It's incredible. you got to know your surroundings. You are, no matter what you say, even as an individual, what you feel, you are representing a bigger platform. And right now, that platform took it on the chin because you thought you'd go in, you know, in the business for yourself. This could be a real international incident, and I don't use that term lightly. Um, 
a little bit of background for those of you who have not been following this story. Hong Kong has been in chaos since I want to say June is when these protests actually started. Uh, this whole thing got going because somebody committed a murder in Taiwan and then fled to Hong Kong. Hong Kong became property of the People's Republic of China in 1997. The British handed it over. Hong Kong wants to become their own country, and China is like, uh-uh, nope, not going to happen. Uh, so that's really what's going on here. You've probably heard about the protests in Hong Kong, even if you didn't know what in the world was going on about it. Um, so now... Rockets GM Daryl Morey takes to Twitter and says, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Adam Silver has now gotten involved with this. The NBA commissioner uh, backing up Daryl Morey's right to free speech and his right to freedom of expression, not necessarily agreeing with him, but defending his right to say so. And the Chinese government views that as encouraging people in Hong Kong to rise up. They think that this is just going to add fuel to the fire as to what's already going on there. Rick, have you been following the Hong Kong story since before all of this NBA nonsense started? Uh, let's say a, a loose affiliation with it. You know, I, I was kind of, you know, reading uh, the headline really popped me or something, uh, you know, always, you know, I'm going back and forth between the different news, you know, the news outlets here in the States because, you know, in large part because I want to get to different perspectives and see what each side's saying about what we just have going on internally. So in doing so, yeah, I mean, it's, you can't miss uh, you know, the major developments, the headlines that are happening over there. And for individuals that really don't, that can't grasp, you know, the mindset of the Chinese, it, I mean, it's completely different than ours. And it's one of those things where we have to realize that there are different cultures around this globe. They're going to view things very differently. And over there, you know, it's not the relaxed oh, freedom of speech. You know, you can, you can speak up to your government here. You can try to change things over there. No, uh, or you're going to end up in a body bag. Yeah, and it's scary because we've got two NBA teams over there on the ground right now. Um, there's so many different ways to look at this. Obviously, I kind of want to look at it from the sports perspective, but there is one other thing that's kind of overhanging all of this, and that is Donald Trump and the trade deal with China. Obviously, Trump has not gotten involved in this thing yet, but the NBA is really going to take this thing on the chin. If Donald Trump has to come to the defense of the NBA here, the 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 social justice of the NBA, the NBA is the woke league. Like, you know, the, the NFL is the no fun league. It's about as conservative as you can possibly get. The NBA is the exact opposite of that. Um, Rick, this would be a nightmare for NBA PR if Trump has to come to their defense here. Well, and, you know, it's just a matter of time. I mean, you know that, that Trump has, you know, he's got, He's got the pulse on this thing. He's no, he knows what's going on and he's politically playing this, you know, to his advantage. Wait to that last minute. have to come in as that hero for your league. And as you said, uh, a league that is more progressive, that, that stays away from, you know, those, those conservative mindsets that a league that really tries to get out there and, and reach, you know, that different, that, that would you say like anti-Trump demographic? Yeah, very much so. I mean, LeBron James is about as anti-Trump as you can possibly get, and he's been very, very public about it, which is one of my issues with what's going on with this entire situation. For the love of God, dude, Steve Kerr was trending on Twitter the other day because he has not made a comment about this. Like, Steve Kerr is so progressive and so at the front of the social justice movement that people were pissed off he hasn't made a comment. They weren't 
mad at what he said. They were mad that he hadn't said anything. And I have to, I, I kind of have to agree with the, maybe the mindset, the strategies here of Mr. Kerr. This is something, this is much bigger than individuals and, and their personal views. I mean, we are talking about, and this is even more, this is much bigger. This is a bigger picture than just the working relationship between the NBA and China. As you said, this is something that people take. This is starting to spill over. I mean, some people kind of laugh it off. Oh, it's just sports. Well, sports is very, you know, it's a very important part of all of our societies. It's something we take to heart. It's something very personal. And now it's starting to spill over, you know, spill over into that political platform. This is this is catching some real heat. Uh, and this thing could get out of control very easily if they don't come in here and tap this thing. So today, uh, evidently, Adam Silver was in Japan yesterday. He made some comments. I'm sure that you can find them online. I didn't rip the audio. Um, but he is going to be in China today. Uh, and he anticipates attending the Nets and Lakers game on Thursday. That's assuming that's even going to happen. We'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, but he is supposed to be meeting with Yao Ming. Yao Ming is basically the president of basketball inside of China. And, uh, of course, a former Houston Rockets all-star NBA championship winning center. Uh, the reason the NBA is so big in China is because of Yao Ming, without any question. And Yao Ming is pissed. What Do you, do you remember the situation when the Rockets were able to reach out and, and sign Yao Ming? I mean, all those, the circus and the, the hoopla, everything they had to go through just through. I mean, essentially what they did, they had negotiate. They had negotiate with the Chinese government. Yeah, they basically had to buy Yao Ming from the Chinese. I, that's what I was saying. You know, essentially it was like a uh, it was a rental program. You know, you have to pay the government so much money in addition to what you're going to pay. I mean, they, they were the broker. They were the agent. They dealt straight with the government. Uh, that's how big this was. And, and we talk about the differences in our society. Over there, when you hit that, you know, that, that premier level, that peak of an athlete, you become property of the government, of the country. And they are going to deal you out wherever they would like to do. And every time that they had to renegotiate there with you or whoever you know, was trying to get involved there, it was the agent, the broker was the country. Uh, that's how much of a different mindset that they have here. So in the immediate, in the like this week, what I'm going to be watching, the Lakers and Nets are supposed to play in Shanghai on Thursday. Um, as of today, both teams have had NBA Cares charity events canceled inside of China. Uh, they were supposed to have a big media day today. That was also canceled. Uh, the players are not being allowed to speak with the media, which is probably a good thing because the last thing you want to do is stick a microphone in LeBron James's face here. Um as far as long-term ramifications of this thing go, though, Rick, this is $1.5 billion in revenue for the NBA. B, with a billion. This is one-eighth of their total revenue. Because the Chinese have said, we are not broadcasting any NBA preseason games. And it sounds like they may just cancel the NBA altogether for this season. Very similar to how they did South Park earlier this week. South Park comes out and they issued a real smart-ass apology to the Chinese. But the NBA doesn't have this luxury. Um, because not only is this one and a 
$1.5 billion for the NBA. There's other companies involved in this thing. Uh, the lead reporter on this has been Rachel Nichols from ESPN. She's actually on the ground in Shanghai because ESPN was supposed to carry this game. ESPN has a deal with the Chinese government, as well as Nike, as well as Adidas. This is a huge financial deal that very easily... You, I could just see Trump getting involved in this thing. He's going to go have to deal with China. Like, this is just absolutely absurd. And all of this because of a tweet from a Rockets general manager saying, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Yeah, and those individuals are saying, well, it's just sports. Who cares? As you laid out here, Jarko. I mean, it's just not the NBA. You know, it's it's networks. It's apparel. You know, it's it's major companies within. And, and, and where does this trickle out elsewhere? You know, when we're talking about other industries that have trade agreements that are, you know, working relationships, uh, we've we already hear some things where the Chinese, you know, right now they're not purchasing as much as they usually do from our agricultural system. You know, it's, the farmers are taking a huge hit. It's I mean, does it trickle here in Iowa? Trickle in, does it trickle into those? I mean, we are talking billions of dollars, and it all comes back to a single tweet, which just reiterate here. I mean, you, you have to know your surroundings, know who you're representing, and, and what could ultimately unfold, you know, from something as simple as that. Uh, this is pretty incredible when you break all of this down here. It, and let's just, you know, kind of rewind here. Last week you had addressed, I believe it was inside the locker room. Uh, it was kind of talking about when Cody Rhodes made a comment about why are there not more African-Americans getting involved in professional wrestling? And you went straight to the numbers. You lay it out there, and one of the examples that you use is that 12th man, that guy sitting at the very end of the bench in the NBA is making damn near triple what you can make in the WWE. Yeah, it was like Brock Lesnar, who made $16 million last year, would have been like the 73rd highest paid player in the NBA. What what eventual impact does that have? I mean, we just, in talking about the NBA in June, we're all excited. You know, you got all these max deals in place. You, you're seeing record salaries, record contracts. That's in large part to the NBA's version of blood money. Yeah, absolutely it is. And and if nothing else, this is actually bringing awareness to how fucking crazy the Chinese government is. Hey, watch what you're saying. I don't want to piss off at us. Well, no, I, I, I mean, just looking at this from an American context, we can't begin to wrap our brains around this. Like we're looking at this and we're saying, OK, so Hong Kong wants to become its own country and they're they want this democratically and somebody gets in trouble for saying they stand with Hong Kong and then somebody else gets in bigger trouble for not even saying that he agrees with him but saying that he stands by his right to free speech and his right to freedom of expression when the Chinese want this motherfucker groveling on their hands and knees, begging him to understand that I deleted the tweet. Hey, you know, when it comes to the Chinese and it comes to the 1.5 billion they're giving just to the NBA, I mean, the mindset is know your role, shut your mouth, get in line or it's, it's no sweat off of of our balls to go ahead and pull that from you. And the other thing that gets involved here are the players because it has almost become customary now for individual players like LeBron James, like Kobe Bryant to in the summer, they would just go to China for the summer. And these people are handled. You think they're celebrities here? Holy shit. There's thousands of people following them as they walk down the street in China. How does this affect their brand? 
Well, you know, with their brands and what that brings in, I mean, they go over and run these camps. I mean, you have thousands, thousands of kids that want to attend these camps here. Think how many pairs of shoes LeBron James sells in China. Well, you know, that's another bottom line. You know, these guys want to be, and I really, I do agree with now, keep keep the players silent. This is way beyond them. You don't need anyone out there misrepresenting or being, even just being misquoted or misunderstood. This is beyond them right now. You need to come together as a collective unit. The only one that should be speaking uh, on behalf of the NBA is the commissioner and his office. And I agree with you, but this points out the fucking hypocrisy amongst these goddamn players and these social justice warriors too. Because, you know, they'll be the first ones to run their mouth about anything that happens in this country, whether that's actually what happened or not. But here we have a real fucking humanitarian issue and it's radio silent. And I would like to point out this fucking hypocrisy because you know if anything like this was happening here in the States, LeBron James would be the first one on fucking Twitter. Well, immediately. I mean, anything anything that's going to be countering, you know, especially uh, Trump, they're, they're all over this thing. And they, like you said, they, they believe that there's some social warrior, that they're, they're this, this beacon of hope and guidance for this new society. You're not fucking Muhammad Ali. Absolutely. And we don't need you to be. No one cares, you know, really what you got to say. Uh, and over here, they play to it because they know it's going to move a generation of, you know, to buy their sneakers. It helps my brand here, but it hurts my brand there. So and, and as you say, the hypocrisy here, and I hope that, you know, this can open many individuals eyes to what these people are really about. And it's OK that that's what they're about, but see through it and recognize it. Absolutely. Uh, they, they, they are the absolute big business that they pretend to despise. Yep. Uh, the other thing that this could affect is the NBA salary cap. The way that the NBA salary cap is figured is off a, a split amongst all of the teams from the total revenue. If they lose China, Rick, the salary cap for this season could drop $10 million. That's a huge deal inside of the NBA when they're talking about, you know, for these max contracts, you know, yeah, you're talking $45 million. Oh, boo-hoo, the poor owners, right? But what this will do is this is going to drive about 25 of the teams in the NBA over the salary cap, which then means the owners have to pay the luxury tax. And ain't none of the owners want to pay the luxury tax because they're over the salary cap. Well, let's and now let's look at how maybe that they balance this. I mean, this is a case of, you know, don't count your chicks before your eggs hatch because, you know, they're just counting on, hey, we got all this China money. We're going to be able to pay these bills at the end of the year. Let's get all these max deals. Are, are they going to have to go back and start renegotiating? Are, are we going to see some people in, in, you know, in, I guess, a, certain, a sense of urgency kind of back out of deals? Like, hey, you know what? This is what you were promised me here. I would have gone somewhere else for, for this kind of money. Are, are they going to want out? How are they going to make make up that difference? Are, is this going to hit the fans? Are we going to see a, a big increase in tickets uh, in the merchandise? Yeah, I mean, how are, how are they going to make that this? money up? You bet well, your and, ass. And just outside of the players we're talking about here, you know, when Nike's going to lose this, when Adidas, it, this is kind of, you know, that argument you hear when well, we should raise minimum wage, get everyone up to, you know, to this living area. What do you think that money's going to come from? Do you think that? The, the uppers, the owners, this big corporate America is just going to eat that dollar. They're not going to. This is going to have a trickle down effect, and this is going to hit the American consumer. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the only other person that I'm really hoping to hear from is Joseph Sai. 
which is a name that probably means nothing to anybody outside of Brooklyn, but he is now the owner of the Brooklyn Nets. He is a Chinese man, and one of the reasons that he was brought in was to help tap this Chinese market. And Rick, I think this has an awful lot to do with why Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving went to Brooklyn. Because, you know, yeah, we can pay you the same amount of money on the salary cap, but our owners got an in in China. Your merchandise will get you the best endorsement deals in China. Your merchandise is going to go through the roof. It's, it's brilliant. It's crooked as shit is what it is. But watch out for Brooklyn. When it comes free agency season, people are going to start taking less money to go to Brooklyn because of this owner. Just because they can get into China. Like Brooklyn is going to build themselves a dynasty there. Do, uh, do you happen to know what maybe business ventures he is involved with in China? I don't know offhand. I, I haven't looked that far into the gentleman, but I think that would be very interesting to see kind of, you know, where he made his fortunes and how it, you know, it kind of ties in to their marketplace. Yeah. This is just a fascinating story to follow. And it's, it's strange because, you know, nobody's talking about it because nobody wants to piss off the Chinese. ESPN's not reporting on this shit. FS1's not really reporting on this stuff. You got to go to the major cable news outlets to get any kind of information on this thing. And even they're kind of like, eh, we don't necessarily want to piss off the Chinese. But of course, you know, here at Hitting the Marks Podcast Network and Hameen Media, we just don't give a fuck, you know? Well, we've got a tie-in, you know? I can just call the family over there, see what's going on. Yeah. See what's up. Uh, Let's actually talk a little bit of sports now that we're 20 minutes into the show. Uh, Zion. Zion debuted the other night for the New Orleans Pelicans. 28 minutes, 16 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 of the most beautiful dunks that you've ever seen in your life. And But, Rick, there was one thing that really stood out to me. This really kind of scares me. Have you seen the New Orleans Pelicans media guide? Zion Williamson is listed at six foot six, 285 pounds. Say hell, uh, the Saints are probably looking to sign him up. Okay, but, <laughs> but here's my thing, all right? When Zion was doing this at Duke, he was doing it against much smaller competition. Like, Zion Williamson, for his size... He should be a shooting guard. Rick, Zion can't shoot for shit. When you make these comparisons here, and you're looking at just that size, okay, and those are just numbers. I know we're numbers guys here, but we got to go beyond that. You have to look at the individual, the way he has built, his athleticism. He is an absolute freak. He's one of these generational players that is so unique, that is so dynamic that, that he's beyond that there. Okay, but let's look at a couple power forwards inside the NBA. LeBron James is six foot eight, two hundred and fifty pounds. Anthony Davis is six foot ten, two hundred and fifty-three pounds. Jimmy Butler is six foot six, two hundred and thirty-two pounds. Michael fucking Jordan was six foot six, two hundred and sixteen pounds. Zion's running around at six six, two eighty-five. Number one, he's built like a shooting guard, but he's way too heavy. These knees are not going to take going up and down this floor, dude. I think we have totally overstated Zion here. It's an absolute. And when we get into this, I mean, that is what is the muscle mass? We have to take into account there, you know, the body fat, the muscle mass. He is a different kind of beast. 
as you're throwing out here these different builds, these people dominating their positions, his skill set is so unique. It's more of like a Magic Johnson. He could almost go out there. You can fill him in anywhere. It's got to get you. You're right, though. We got to improve the outside shooting. But I mean, dude, that works great against, you know, that six foot two kid from Clemson. How's that going to work against the elite in the NBA? I believe in his absolute athleticism that he is going to find his niche. He is going to remain and he is going to evolve this game. He'll be one of those next greats. See, and I'm afraid he's going to be Jamal Mashburn. Well, when I look at this here, what really stands out to me is, is this stat line. And I like this for the first time out. You got the 28 minutes there, 16.7 rebounds, three assists. That's pretty good across the board. That's pretty good for the minutes he's putting in there. But I know as you, you threw in here, the, just the incredible looking dunks, that's what individuals, because it is a highlight league, you know, that they want the, the thrills and the thrills of it. You, but to me, it's going to be watching those stat lines. And can he maintain that consistency? That's what's going to help this team. He's surrounded by tremendous young talent. If they can all gel, mold, and grow together, this is going to be a, a fantastic franchise. Very exciting to watch going forward. He'll be the leader at the center of that. I just hope that that doesn't that we get so caught up in the highlight reels that he doesn't turn into like a Dominic Wilkins. Two hundred and eighty-five pounds. It's a lot of miles on those it's, knees. It's man. not like they never lie in these programs to try to throw people off. Yeah, but they normally say trail. you're bigger than you are. Six six becomes six eight. This weight right here, they might is is your concerns. They might be you know kind of stretching that. And a little bit to freak some individuals out. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really scared. Zion's going to be a bust. Let's talk about the MLB hey, playoffs. If, if, they, if they get in trouble, they got another Dookie to rely on. You just kick it out the Reddick, the three machine, and, and and they're good to go. There is that. Let's talk about the MLB playoffs a um, little bit uh, before we get into the games themselves. Uh, one team that didn't make the playoffs, the Chicago Cubs. Joe Madden out as the manager of the Chicago Cubs. Not necessarily fired. They just chose not to renew his contract. Rick, what in the hell are the Cubs thinking? Like, is there anybody on the face of the planet that you would rather have as the manager of your baseball team right now other than Joe Madden? I just you think, you know, after they, they had won their World Series, the expectations maybe became a bit too high for them. Uh, they thought they were going to continue on into this dynasty. They, they had some wolves. You know, it's a very competitive division that they're in there in the Central. And they haven't really been able to get back to that success. I think you know, they've been catching a lot of heat from that fan base. And I think they caved a little bit here. They were waiting for this contract to expire. They didn't want to fi- outright fire him. They made this announcement before the end of the season that he wouldn't be coming back. Uh, so, I mean, so it's not really of a surprise, but now it's official here. And now the big question is, you know, where do you move forward with, if you're the Cubs? I mean, is this a complete retooling or are you just trying to see if you can find a, a new conductor to, to get the band back on track? I think this is Theo Epstein to a freaking T. This is the same shit he did in Boston, like to a T. Yeah, he'll break the curse. And then, you know, you, you have some really, really dark times ahead. Ask the Red Sox about this year. Uh Speaking of dark times, Minnesota Twins have not beaten the New York Yankees in a playoff game since 2005. Now the longest winning streak in MLB postseason history. The Yankees sweep the freaking Twinkies. Huckleberry, this series didn't even look close. No, absolutely. I mean, this was this was a tale of two teams, two very different teams. Uh, Yankees looking absolutely dominant, as, as we expected. 
And then, you know, as I said, hey, you know, around the rest of this of this round here in the playoffs, it's going to be very exciting. And we are getting that here. But I did want to point out here what's up with our with our good friend, Big Ray Hernandez out there trying to pretend that this was some kind of, you know, miracle in New York that that there were people. Oh, the twins are going to come get you. What is he trying to build up here? Is he trying to make him feel, you know, make himself feel a little better about bullying the twins once again? I think he's uh, he's trying to pitch that the Yankees were the underdogs here, and uh, that that is just not the case. Yeah, the the Twins absolutely hit the ball all over the freaking field this year, but it helps that they were playing in the AL Central against some really bad teams like you know the Chicago White Sox. But you know what I'm getting, you know what I really get from the the vibe I'm getting from Big Ray there is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Big Ray Hernandez. And I am the advocate for the New York Yankees. <laughs> Pump up your opponent, right? Build up your opponent so you look better when you knock them down. Yeah, I'm I'm terrified, man. Uh, game five, Thursday in Houston. Astros and Rays tied at two. Rays win game three, four to one to stay alive. They got to Verlander. They got to him early, scored three runs in the first inning. Huckleberry, I am the biggest Tampa Bay Rays fan that you have ever seen right now. Please tell me they have a chance against Houston on Thursday. Hey, you get the Verlander like that, you have got to be feeling good about yourself. They put themselves in this position. You know, this, you know, we thought we'd be almost putting the, the Rays in a position that we were talking about the Twins, that this thing would have been over with, that we are heading to the pennant in the AL with, you know, the, the two top dogs, the two juggernauts getting ready to throw down. But hey, the Rays said, hey, hey, hold on a minute here. We're not out of this thing. We might shock the world. I guess the other thing is, uh, I mean, Houston, do we have a problem or are they going to regroup here and just close this thing out as they as they should? There's a reason I was pulling for Oakland in that damn wild card game. You remember uh, here probably about, oh, I don't know, two months ago or so uh, here on HTM Sports. I was like, why can't the Yankees beat the fucking Rays? Yep. Getting a little worried uh, tonight. We've got two game fives, Cardinals and Braves, Nationals and Dodgers. Huckleberry, who you got going to the NLCS? Man, I I tell you what, this makes for a tough night of television viewing. I mean, we got two game fives. Very excited about both of those and and very excited about all of these teams. Loving the competition here in the NL. This thing is going to be a tremendous ride. Very exciting. But up against AEW and NXT, I mean, how many how many screens can I incorporate into my Wednesday night viewing here? <laughs> but hey, I, I, it comes to these postseason, it comes to these situations like this. I never want to bet against the Cardinals, but I, but you, you really gotta you really gotta love love the Braves there, and I think the Dodgers get it done on the other side. I think it's it was it's been a tremendous story for the Nationals, especially you know after. All that, you know, losing Harper, what are they going to do? They lost one of the, you know, premier marquee players in the league. And this team, and this team just kept on keeping on. And they've had a tremendous run down the stretch. It's been very exciting. But I think the Dodgers get it done. I'm with you on the Cardinals. I like them in Atlanta. Nationals and Dodgers, man, you know what? For all the bullshit that Big Ray Hernandez is spewing about the Yankees and them being the underdogs, you know who's really the underdogs is the Washington Nationals. How much would the TV executives shit in their pants if this thing ends up being the St. Louis Cardinals versus the Washington Nationals and the NLCS and you lose the entire West Coast market? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you you, you want to target in. Not that, not that those markets are terrible, but they're nothing in comparison even combined 
to what you have with the Dodgers there. Let's, let's talk about that real, I mean, real quick. From, from both sides of this thing, market-wise, what does the league want? Well, they want New York and L.A., of course. Obviously, that, that's your biggest payoff. That's what you want. And just the history, too. You know, tying in the Brooklyn Dodgers, making that move. They, they left the city. You got all the history, the stories there. The two biggest markets and everywhere in between is invested now. I mean, you've got different, maybe not the, the Midwest younger generation, but you're going to get that older generation that remembers that rivalry, that remembers, you know, it's going to take you back to those grander days of baseball, the game that, you know, that you love, where it was America's pastime. Houston's one of the top five markets. So, I mean, they would be fine with Houston getting back in there, but they would be terrified if somehow the Tampa Bay Rays ended up representing the American League. They would be terrified of that. Yeah. And I think, you know, outside of the Dodgers, I guess St. Louis, because they represent that Midwest, you have that growing area, the history there. Uh, not so much sure. You know, Atlanta's falling off. It's been a long time since we've recognized them. And I just, it's not very, my very strong market. No, I mean, it's it's a a strong market for TNT, TBS, you know what I mean? Which kind of gives them that national platform, but it's very much just, it would be Georgia. Like I don't, I don't know a lot of Braves fans in the Midwest, you know? And in this time of year as well, baseball is a distant, distant, even if it's second, because it's SEC country. Yeah. Everything is around football right now. Yeah. And the Falcons are awful, you know, so. Right. There's that. Um, Yeah. I I really want to see the Nationals take out the Dodgers. I want to see it like for for the good of baseball. I want to see it. But then working for Fox, you know, it's like I want the Dodgers in it because it's better for TV revenue. One of the things I was worried about going into this postseason is. The Dodgers were so far ahead. They had this thing wrapped up cruise what, two months ago. Yeah. If they went on cruise control, if they were playing, you know, that that prevent defense. And the other teams were, were the, you know, the Nationals, they were fighting with everything they had just to get here. Man, they got that chip on their shoulder. You know, I, I kind of like the Nats. It, it truly is. It's them versus the world. They, they got that mentality. Let's talk about NFL Week 5, get some highlights here before we get to our picks. Jay Gruden fired in Washington out as the head coach of the Redskins. But, Rick, I feel like the bigger story here is Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder, since he has owned this team, he's owned the team for 21 seasons. They're 2-5 and five in the postseason. The last time they were there was 2005. You know, I growing up as kids, I remember the Redskins being just a dominant force when Joe Gibbs was at the helm of that team. And now they're just, they're the laughing stock of the NFC. Well, obviously, uh, you know, when we're growing up there in the late 80s, multiple time, uh, you know, 80s, 90s, multiple time champions, yeah. Super Bowl champions, uh, and the Hogs. I mean, yeah. when, it, when it came to, you know, getting down and dirty in the trenches, nobody did it better than the Washington Redskins. They were a feared, dominant franchise. RFK was awesome. And then you, you kind of you make that transition. Snyder comes in, and probably the only thing they've really been known for is the controversy over the use and the trademark of the name Redskin. Yeah, I mean, outside of the, when RG three like caught fire there, you know, for a season. <laughs> Going back to the coach here, that piece of crap, Jay Gruden. We had him here in Cincinnati before he took this job as our offensive coordinator. I. I I can't remember the last time I was happier to see anyone in this franchise leave. I, I was 
the last season before he even took that job, I was running around everywhere. Anyone that would listen to me, I was volunteering to pack all his stuff up in my car and personally drive him anywhere away from our team. I was so glad to see him go. I'm surprised that he lasted this long there. You know, I know that you're looking forward to that, the over bowl, but there's a real risk this week, Huckleberry. Washington at Miami. I think I think Washington's got to be the favorite in that thing. You know, I, th- I guess this is a perfect time to uh, to announce maybe one of the new features we're going to have over on the Hitting the Marks platform. We're going to have that on Facebook. I, I put together, I've assembled a little voting team. So we're going to have our power and our sour rankings. We have our top five of the best in the league and our top worst. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who's going to be at the top of that thing. And I think, as you said here, we, we've got Miami, we've got Washington. Right now, they got to be one and two when you're looking at how they played where they've been in games and they're looking at their stat lines, absolutely pitiful on both sides. Yeah. And this is such a Dan Snyder thing to do. They fired Jay Gruden before the Miami game. So now they're going to have an interim coach. Go get that big win. And Oh boy, he's going to turn things around because look, we got a big win. You, you beat the Miami dolphins. Hey, hey, do you think Hey, on the other side of that Miami dolphins have had a long time to sit, look at this schedule. They've been preparing to this. Like it's their super bowl. Yeah. They've had two weeks off to get ready for this game. Let's hope they're not looking forward to Cincinnati in week 16. Uh, Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns uh, because this has got to be the what the fuck of the week, right? Jimmy G beats the pants off of the Cleveland Browns. 31-3 in San Francisco. Baker with two INTs. Chubb 16 carries for 87 yards, but that's misleading because he had a long, a 37. Odell only gets thrown to six times, two receptions. San Francisco just kept the ball away from them. 37-43 to 22-17 on the time of possession. And then the exclamation point. Nick Bosa, your boy from the Ohio State University. He gets himself a little piece of Baker Mayfield. And then he goes back to that 2017 game when Oklahoma went in there into the horseshoe and beat OSU 31-16. Plants his fucking flag. Huckleberry, you had to be torn on this thing. Like, as a as a, a half-ass Browns fan, you know, like you feel bad for Baker Mayfield, but you're pulling for Nick Bosa, right? Because of the Ohio State University. I think, and I absolutely, I remember, I can close my eyes and just envision everything that was going around me when that happened and how infuriated the uh, the crowd was. We were down at uh, I-5s, which I've, I've broadcast from before. People see me take pictures there. Uh, sitting there with the Mises. Kevin Mises is, is a great friend of the show here. Uh, his wife is actually from Oklahoma. So she is in a sea of Buckeyes fans. You, you've got the Buckeyes apparel everywhere. And they're right in the middle of the bar. We had the prime seats right in front of the big screen there. The biggest television there. And, she, and there's her right in the middle. And she was absolutely loving it. She she didn't let us you know, hear the end of it all evening. I absolutely remember that evening. So this moment, uh, it was kind of bittersweet. It was almost, you know, as if like when when the Browns drafted Baker, they they forgave him for, you know, just that it, it just absolutely disgusting, vile act. That, that Nick Bosa prepared. didn't forgive him. <laughs> yeah, he remembered it. So it was a bittersweet moment. I think, you know, outside of it, it, it was it became more of it was humorous because you needed something to lift you up after just a disgusting performance. I was talking to two times during this thing, and we were making comparison. Is like. Is that Joe Montana for the Niners and Johnny Manziel for the Browns? I mean, are we good? 
that, something happened here? That offensive line is awful, dude. I've been on this since the beginning. That offensive line is awful. Absolutely getting dominated, especially at that tackle position. Uh, they've, they've got to figure something out, I guess, right now. Do you it, move, it's still, it, it, if the offer is out there, if there is a good, like, let's say top five left tackle that you could get right now, do you trade OBJ for him? I, you absolutely entertain the thought. Uh, and here's another, you know, a good thing here is they do have so much talent at their specialty positions. You could wheel and deal some other moves too as well. Uh, but you, right now, that is your that's your number one concern. You have to address the trenches if you want to move forward here because uh, it's an absolute disaster there. They need to do something. They need to be on the phone. They need to be talking to some individuals. Hey, sitting here in Cincinnati, there's some big talk of some moves here that your boys, the Patriots, have been on the phone asking about A.J. Green. Yeah, yeah. As if, you know, Tom Brady needs A.J. Green. But, you know, how do you feel about that, man? Because, obviously, the Bengals are going nowhere. A.J. Green has been the most loyal member of the sporting community in Cincinnati that you could possibly ask for. Don't you owe it to A.J. Green to move him to a contender at this point? Well, I think you have that great loyalty there. Uh, and this this reminds me of someone, too. Um and it was, you know, well, get out of here, man. We, we love you. You're always going to be a, a favorite in Cincinnati. We're always going to treasure everything you gave this. And he's gone on to have great success with the Rams. And that's Whitworth, yep. uh, who is, you know, the leader on their line. And he was our anchor for years. It was it was devastating, you know, for the fan base to lose him. But it was one of those things. Go to, to greener pastures. And when you look at with AJ here, what is he really going to do for this team? I mean, he's... The fans love him. People gravitate towards him. He's going to move jerseys. He's going to move merch. People are actually going to go see him. But for him, you know, he's getting up there. The injuries are nagging. There's limited time left. And he might not have that to see this team turn around. And in doing so, let's let's get some value for him. Because he can still be at the top of his game. He can still be, you know, all league, pro bowl, all of that. And he can go be, you know, a real game changer. You know, it would kind of remind me of when the Patriots went got Randy Moss. wasn't like a necessity, but it damn helps when you can add that threat of going deep there with Brady instead of just the dump and runs that they had become so successful with. And that's what Moss brought to them. Yep. Absolutely. Now, I would absolutely, I absolutely make the move. Just make sure you're getting some some good value in return for it. And it wouldn't be the first time we did it. We did it with Corey Dillon. Yep. To the Patriots. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Rams. Um, Rick, is it time to write the Rams off? They, they went up to Seattle and they lost again. I've been on this, uh, thing about how the Rams just, they, they paid the wrong guys. They lost some offensive linemen and they are just not the same team. San Francisco undefeated. Is it time to write the Rams off? Well, and I think, you know, you got San Francisco, obviously, uh, they're wowing some people. They're, they're proving time and time that they, that they, they can be a legit team, a legit contender here inside the West. Uh, you, you never want to downplay the Seahawks. They just know how to get it done. Uh, even when they're, you know, there's holes in the system there, they come together. They know how to play well. They're winners. With the Rams, I think it's, it's exposed a, a, a certain blueprint where you're taking that one good hard shot and they fell just a little short and now there's a backlash. So they are going to have a lull. They are going to take a couple steps back, and I think we're going to see that this season. Yep. 
Uh, Packers beat the Cowboys 34-24, although the game was not that close. At one point, I believe it was 31-3. Aaron Jones, 19 carries, 107 yards, four touchdowns, tying the Green Bay record. Huckleberry, I got to feel like Jason Garrett is sitting on a very, very hot seat right now, as is Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is just not the same Dak Prescott. Um, I, I don't know what the hell to make out of the Cowboys right now. I feel like they got exposed greatly by Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers was just going up and down the field, whatever the hell he wanted to do for three quarters. Well, I think, too, just a little column A, column B. Obviously, there has to be concern in Dallas. I mean, you got done by by the Saints where it was going to be a statement game to say that, hey, we are the best here, one of the best in the NFC. Uh, they, they get slapped down here. And then here come the Packers that were coming off uh, a down game where Rodgers didn't look all that great. And, but on that other side, it just talks to how good he is. It's like he just flips that switch whenever he wants. And it's the best in the world, Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's what we got. I just wish he wanted to do it more. We're talking about spending and Aaron Rodgers. You know, he kind of reminds me of like the Andy, the Randy Orton of the NFL. Yep. You know, absolutely one of the best, but sometimes it's like he's just going out there going through motions, but damn, when he wants to be good, it's like, where is this all the time? Yeah. But with Dallas, as we were just talking about the Rams, uh, how much buyer's remorse is there? And when you're looking about how you divvied up, you know, the slices of the pie. Yeah. Ezekiel Elliott couldn't do shit. He couldn't do a damn thing against that Packers defense. I told everybody how good that Packers defense was going to be leading the league in takeaways with 11. And people were just like, uh-huh, yeah, this ain't, this ain't your mama's Green Bay Packers. This is not this explosive offense that's just going to, you know, pummel people in a shootout. That defense is legit. I do not want to face off with that Packers defense. That secondary is good. The more I watch this team week in and week out, uh, it just reminds me so much of like the 96-97 Packers. Yeah. Yeah. Brett's first Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, because that was the thing, you know, Brett. And it's just been the same thing with Aaron, too. How many games have they lost just because their defense gives up 40? You know, having a legit defense comes in awful handy. Um, then there's another big win for the Green Bay Packers this week when the Oakland Raiders beat the Chicago Bears. Now, I realize this was Chase Daniel at quarterback, but the Raiders were just whooping the shit out of them at one point. And then the Bears came back and the Raiders finally get them. The Raiders now three and two, one game back of Kansas City. Rick, were we just completely wrong about the Raiders? Well, I, I, we didn't we didn't we didn't sell on them, but we weren't buying we said we needed a little more time. We went, we needed to test drive the car a little bit more to see what you know what direction we were going to go in. And I can't say that I feel any different sitting here. I mean, you look at certain things. You know, I regularly say, you know, we can always say, okay, the, the starting quarterback was out, or there's injuries here. That's the NFL. You you only have to beat who's in front of you, and that's your that's your goal. And the Raiders are doing that right now. They're surprising some people. This was a major win for them. I gotta say, I'm starting to sway into being a believer but I can't make that commitment just yet. I told everybody that Chicago was going to take a big step backwards this year. Imagine that Chicago looks like they've taken a big step backwards this year. Uh, do you buy the bears? Are, are they still a playoff team with as good as you've seen Detroit be here? Uh, actually, you know, I was, I was opposed to you on this one. I, I believe that the bears were going to hold it together. 
but I but I said it was going to be very a very tightly contested division. I didn't give much faith to the Packers. I, I didn't buy into your boys. I will apologize on that thing here. Uh, I at the way this is looking here, the way that the Lions uh, they are they keep evolving, they keep rolling. I'm starting to believe more in them. I'll take two two playoff teams if two get in from from the north. I'm going Lions and Packers, but I think it's only going to be that that champion. I think you only get one in from the north, and that would be the Packers. Speaking of Detroit, they did one thing earlier this season. They played against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they didn't beat the Kansas City Chiefs, but they sure came close, and you know what they did? They gave everybody else a blueprint of how to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Indianapolis Colts went into Kansas City this weekend and beat them. 19 to 13. And you know how you beat Patrick Mahomes? You make him stand on the sidelines. This is the most boring fucking football game that you are possibly going to watch. Indianapolis has the ball for 37 minutes and 15 seconds, 45 rushing attempts for 180 yards. Patrick Mahomes can't beat you if he's not on the field. Thanks, Detroit. Well, you know, what's the old saying? You know, the, the best defense is a great offense eating up that clock, keeping the, the stars, the playmakers off the field. And even when he was out there, and they were bringing pressure. And I kept watching the feed of Mahomes because he is dealing with that nagging ankle injury. And he, he took, a, took a couple bad shots today. Uh, that was what concerned me there. We're, we got shout outs all over the place here today. I know someone was very excited. It was our good friend over at the Russell Podcast, Robin Nelson, man. He's diehard Saints fan. You know, he even said, yeah, after luck, he said he still believed that this team could get it done. And they're finding ways to do it. Uh, they're very gritty. They're scrappy. And that's what you need to do to survive in the NFL. And that's what that's Colts football right now. Jacoby Brissett looks like an NFL starting quarterback to me. Like, I, yeah, they miss Andrew Luck, but I don't feel like there was a huge drop off to Jacoby Brissett. You know? Seems like a mediocre Absolutely. NFL quarterback. One more NFL team to talk about this week. Are the Saints the best team in the NFC? Teddy Two Gloves and the New Orleans Saints toppled the Bucks 31 to 24. Drew Brees is starting to throw already with his jacked up thumb that's still basically in a cast, but he's still out there throwing footballs. Teddy Two Gloves hasn't skipped a step here. Rick, I I, I think the Saints might be the best team in the NFC. Well, I'll I'll see uh, I'll see your best team in the NFC and uh, I'll up you one. I know outside of records, I think right now the way they are playing, they are the best team in the NFL. If they lined up against the Patriots this weekend, I think they could get their number. Not taking anything away from the Patriots, but they have been slow out of the gate in these last couple of weeks here. And I think the Saints could take advantage of that. And I love the dynamic of you know these different packages and what they're throwing at these teams. The defense is playing out of their mind. The Saints are hot right now. Alvin Kamara is no freaking joke. Let's talk a little bit about week six. Only three games that I'm really looking forward to this week, Huckleberry. The Thursday night game, Giants at Patriots. Why in the earth would I be looking forward to that game? Because there's something about the New York Giants and the New England Patriots. And, Rick, like the spread on this game is like 16 points, and I don't think that's high enough. I think Belichick is just going to send the freaking house at Daniel Jones. They are going to try to take Daniel Jones out of this game because Bill Belichick wants one more shot at Eli. I was just going to say, do you think if Eli gets an opportunity, could we see some, uh, some Manning magic? God I mean, he, he he has Bill's number. He has Bill's number. I mean, what what kind of we were talking about 
the legacy of Eli Manning. We did this a couple of weeks ago. Is, is he a Hall of Famer? And, and we we talked about the perfect storm, you know, the city he's in, the way he's won Super Bowls, the ties to his family. I mean, if he could come in and do some work, some Manning magic here, that'd be like the exclamation point on a tremendous career, wouldn't it? That Even in a, a throwaway Super Bowl, mid-season man. Thursday night game, you know? You could just, it's a perfect storm, isn't it? Redskins at Dolphins. We talked a little bit about that one. Looking forward to that train wreck. And then I'm looking forward to Lions at. Someone's got to give. I'm looking forward to Lions at Packers on Monday night. Ain't going to be watching Raw. Uh uh-uh, uh. Not when the Lions are coming to town. I like the odds in Lambeau for Green Bay, but in Detroit, I think this might be a little bit different situation. I think, I think the Lions are a bit better than I thought they were there after that week one tie with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. And it's going to be an absolute, uh, it's going to be an absolute blast to watch it. Uh, These, these two teams, they know what's on the line here, revisiting and and reviving a tremendous rivalry. That's what I'm looking forward to. This one is, this one should be fun and it should be nasty. My pick of the week is the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I'm going to stick with going against the Cleveland Browns. Seattle goes into Cleveland, and it's Cleveland by one. I like Seattle outright to win that game. I think Russell Wilson is the MVP of the NFL right now. Russell Wilson, I don't know how he does it, man. That kid is just something else. He's one of those players that no matter how badly I want to hate Russell Wilson, I just can't because he's too fucking good. I can't hate Russell Wilson. You know, one of the things that's interesting, I wonder now, you know, are the Browns going to win? How many games are they going to win at home? And they are really struggling when they go inside the dog pound. And we've just seen them get exposed, you know, over and over when they're at home. Uh, two different teams, I guess. But I like your pick there, man. We'll see if you can keep rolling. Let's throw it over to the Stone Cold Locks. Hit me with it, Steve. Give me a hell yeah. All right, Huckleberry, I'm actually going with games that we talked about this week. I'm going to go with the Washington Redskins to go into Miami and get their first big win. And then I'm going to take the Patriots this week because I think the Patriots might just beat the New York football Giants by 50. Okay, this one's going to be hot this week then because we're going head-to-head. I'm getting out of the way. I'm going with the Miami Dolphins at home over the Redskins that, you, that you're backing. All right, so we're, we're head-to-head. We're things, are, things are heating up. Here at hashtag HTM Sports, and then uh, I'm gonna have to wait a little bit to see how I do in my second game because I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on. Let's see here. Wait a minute here. I, I guess yeah, it's the Sunday night, right? Eight twenty game. Yeah, NBC. I'm gonna take the Chargers at home against the Steelers. I de- I don't understand what's going on with the San Diego Chargers or the Los Angeles Chargers. They're still the San Diego Chargers to me, even though I know that they're not in San Diego and they haven't been for two years. They're still the San Diego Chargers to me. I don't get that team. I, I just I don't get it at all. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit our friends over at whichever other platform you're listening to, whether it be hittingthemarks.com at the HTM Podcast Network or at Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo, RBV. How do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? 
Well, as always, uh, well, you know, first, I'd like to invite everybody, if, if you're into the baseball games, whatever you're doing, whatever you're discussing, if it's AEW, NXT, uh, you know, tonight, Wednesdays are hot on Facebook, over in the Hami Media Discussion Group. Uh, William Alicia is going to have all the chats up, so make sure you're, you're heading on over there to, to partake in all the great conversation with some of the, the best wrestling minds from around from around the, uh, the entire world. We all meet there on Facebook and Hami Media Discussion Group. Let's keep up with me personally across all social media platforms. You can find me, Rick Victory, at The Real RBV. We'll talk to you this weekend on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!